0: 1 John 2, starting with verse 3. Now we know that we have come to know him by this, if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God is made truly perfect. We know that we are in him by this. Whoever claims to abide in him must walk just as he walked. Welcome to all our visitors here today. And what a cool thing! Has anyone ever been to an adult bar bat mitzvah before? No? Anyone ever have? That's because you're an adult. No, I was kidding. They do happen from time to time, and are pretty, pretty cool. And uh, with, when it's men, the voices don't crack, you know. And usually, you go to bar mitzvahs, and they're saying Baruch Atah Adonai. So this, that was kind of, kind of, kind of unique experience that you experienced today. So uh, you did, you did witness something kind of cool. Um, we I'm just going to take a little bit of time here uh, to kind of give, go through some of, some of the Word of God here and maybe tie in some things that, that were talked about today and see what, what God has for us. But I want to start off by asking you just to use your imagination for just a moment um, and think, does anyone in here, uh, not does anyone, think about somebody that you know. I was going to say, does anyone in here know anybody? But of course, you probably know somebody. Uh, we're not all strangers here, but think of somebody you know for a moment. Maybe somebody that's living. It doesn't have to be someone that's living. could be someone that's past. could be a historical figure. could be a close friend. could be a spouse. Someone you admire, perhaps. I, I want to ask you something. Lock, lock some, some, some person in your mind that kind of fits that. And I want you to think, for, I want to ask you this question. With regard to that person, would you say that you, uh, because of the way you feel about that person, that you would just do everything they told you to do? That you respect them, you maybe take some things from their life for your own, but when they say do this, you do that, and you would look to do everything you do. You'd look to model your life after them in a very deliberate, specific, do what they do, say what they say, kind of way. And you know, it's funny unless you're a uh, unless you're a a professional like impersonator or a comedian. I mean, there are people that do that, right? Um, unless you're that kind of person, that, that kind of thing, I believe is sort of almost frowned on I and mean, I got a little some funny looks I looked at a few faces out there when I said that and I think that type of of thought is a little bit funny and, and, and not looked at well you know you, you if you saw me for example I, I remember when I was a little kid I used to watch my dad walking I was a little boy and I remember I sort I th- of I th- was watching him walk one day and I thought he kicked his toes out like this and so here I was as a little boy trying to walk I sort to walk behind him like this and he he looked back. and said, "What are you What are you doing? You're walking like a like a duck, you know." And I didn't want to say. Well, I I, I thought that's how you were walking. That's what I kind of wanted to walk like my dad, you know. And and uh, it's kind of, it's kind of cute for a little boy, right? Hey, walk like your dad. But you know, if, if you're an adult, or if I was up here and I just tried to do every mannerism that Rabbi Chaim did, and he said, "Take a step with your right foot." What's that? That's yes, right. And I started messing up my English idioms and things just to sound exactly, <laughs> you know? Like Rabbi Chaim, and you know? You'd say, well, what's wrong with you, man? I mean, he doesn't own you, and that person doesn't own you. You're your own person. You've got your own life. You're not a slave to them. This is ridiculous. What are you, just some kind of, some kind of lemming, you know? It's not, it's not right. But I don't know if you were listening... What was, what was read just a minute ago from First John, did you know that as far as God's economy, God's the way that God looks and reckons and accounts for things, uh, that type of behavior is actually valued, highly valued with regard to knowing him. We'll talk a little bit about that passage, but when it comes to knowing him, that's a very highly regarded thing. As believers, not only is it highly regarded, but when you read the word of God, not just in this section here, when you read throughout the, throughout the word, We find out that we're actually, it's not just regarded, but we're actually, I hate to use the word, but obligated. We're obligated to act in that way. To imitate God with regard to what he says. That's the type of relationship that we are supposed to have based on, and this is key, we're going to talk about, based on our knowledge of him. Based on our knowledge of him, that's the kind of relationship that we are supposed to have. And so my question, as we start off here, is that: is that how you view your relationship with God as a result of knowing Him? Do you, do you seek to to speak and to act and to, to like He says and to do what what He says in His Word? You might tell, of course. I heard some people say Yeshua out there when I asked about the friend, the person you want to model. That's the great answer, you know. Um, and uh, or and you don't have to answer these questions to me but or do you think of of knowing god as as kind of wanting him to be like maybe your best friend if you thought of a friend or someone like that or some some other person that you know that you really enjoy being around that that you you like certain things of their life uh, because they maybe they make you you feel good or they inspire you is is that the kind of relationship that you really end up having with god looking to take the good parts of of, of his or her life, this person you were thinking of, and incorporating them into yours, you know and I think um, many people nowadays very popular and they want to be good you want to be thought of as somebody who's very caring and honest and righteous, and you you know um, you 're considerate you 're a nurturing person you 're fair you know you, uh, you stand up for the little guy, which I personally appreciate you know um, if Lee were here, that's my chance to get Lee back for saying it. But he's counting money now. But, anyways, you know, you want to be thought of as that kind of good person. You want to have all those sort of trappings of where someone looks at you and says, "Man, that guy's kind of got all the good stuff." You know, they're they're fair, they're honest, they'd be a good person to work for, uh, whatever it might be. You know, they they help out charities or, or what have you. You want all of those modern day, what I call trappings. Trappings are just the things that go along with being considered that kind of good person. But not everybody wants to necessarily submit themselves to what I want to call the trapper. <laughs> in other words, God, not that he's trapping us, but the idea that we want the trappings, but we don't want to submit to the, to the trapper, you know? We want to be good people. We want to be considered as good people living uh, this kind of life, this, uh, what we read here in John, this idea of having perfected love, for example, but we don't want to necessarily admit that that all comes from somewhere specifically a named entity like God or Yeshua, because if we do that, then all of a sudden, that's sort of a position of weakness, you know? You're saying that you're dependent. I can be a good person, and I can have all those things, but I don't want to say that it's because of God, because and I'm following him in that kind of way, because, you know, that was sort of a sign of weakness. I'm not self, you know, we, it was not self-sufficient, it's not the self, you know, not I'm not self-dependent. That's highly valued for us. But the fact is, that's exactly what's being told to us here by John, okay? And I want to get the point across today that really, you know, your relationship with the Lord is a very unique thing, and it needs to be. A relationship with God is a very unique and very different, very different than what we see in terms of relationships. You know, we I was even reading, I think it was this morning, uh, something about, you know, uh, talking about you know, the, 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 being a believer. It's not about, it's about a relationship with God and all this relationship, and we often hear that. But it's a very different relationship than when we think about, when I had you think about a relationship you had with somebody earlier. It's not necessarily that kind of relationship. And so our relationship, though, does need to be different because there's lots of people we can look at in the world today. Allison said it today, you know, there are people that do good things and can be those, you know, people that are honest and fair and all these type of things, even more shining examples than some believers that I know or that we know. Um, But there's got to be something different than just being that good person and having those trappings uh, of being honest and thoughtful and, and caring and, and righteous and just and all of that. And I think, I believe that what the Word of God is telling us today is that that difference has to be a, notif- a noticeable and definable adherence to God's commandments. Pretty straightforward in John here. And we'll talk about some more, more of that as we, as we go along today. And as Allison pointed out, you know, that that thing, that, that our relationship there with God should be the very thing that does, in fact, end up causing us to live, as she said, loudly in a way that's noticeable. It's not just, like she said, the things or the successes, but it's how she lives through those things and what the source of those things are. So that needs to be the thing that's different the in the relationship. Because if you're just living out your life uh, based on you know, living kind of your commandments or your instructions for life, or your sense of justice and the way that you've taken all of the things, maybe that you even read in the Word of God, and filter and decide, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of filter that into my how I am and live it out that way. If it's that's all, just ends up being your commandments. If that's the way it is for you, then I want you to look back at First John two four and, and and receive this warning, not from me, but from from God here. First John two, in verse four, that says. Whoever says that I have come to know him, but does not obey his commandments, in other words, obeying your own commandments or your own interpretation or your own sort of modification, so to speak, whoever says that, he says that that person is a liar, and in such a person the truth does not exist. Uh, My guess is most of your translations, whatever you have, say just about that because the words are liar and the word is truth and it's not there is what it is. You're going to see those words in any any Bible you've got. So that's pretty harsh, uh, harsh words. So you need to think about that. And over and over again in God's word, commandments are very important. Uh, it's his, uh, his commandments, uh, it, it, those are the actions that, call, or it's clear that our actions in terms of following commandments are what cause him to act. In fact, Aaron Imey uh, on Wednesday said it. And I took notes, Aaron. I'm going to quote Aaron here. I'm going to quote him twice, okay? Pay attention. He said, Aaron said this. He said, God's commands are his instructions that make things happen. So Aaron Imey said, God's commands are his instructions that make things happen. You know why I said that twice? So next time it's my quote. I've given it to him twice. So you all heard that. So I say that God's commands are his instructions that make things happen. I've given the proper, proper documentation now. So as believers, we're actually commanded to keep God's commandments. And as in, you see, it's not some Old Testament thing, old Tanakh thing. We see this right here in 1 John. We see it also in the Gospel of John. If you love me, keep my commandments. It was on the, the overhead today. We say it every every week. So how is that done? What's the formula? We all know we want a formula. Well, let's go back first John two, what was just read here. Let's go back to first John two, starting in verse three. I'm going to read it again. It says, Now by this we may be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. Whoever says, I have come to know him, but does not obey his commandments is a liar and in such a person the truth does not exist but whoever obeys his word truly in this person the love of god has reached perfection by this we may be sure that we are in him whoever says i abide in him ought to walk just as he walked so a couple things i want at the outset i want to zero in on on here are a few of the things that are repeated a couple times you may have heard at least twice in there you'll see this idea of knowing him most of your translations probably do say no Uh, And then the other thing that's mentioned three times is this idea of obey or keep, keep those commandments. Does anyone have any other words there other than obey or keep, observe? Anything else? Obey, keep, or observe? I'll talk about those a little bit, but that's mentioned three times, and the idea of knowing uh, is mentioned twice. I want to talk a little bit about those two words, and then it's important that we realize these words are are in uh, interaction here. The word know there... Is, uh, is, is the idea of, a, of an experiential kind of knowing, okay? Um, it's the, it's a deep knowing, a coming to know, a learning about, a perceiving, a realizing kind of knowing. It's the same, it's, sort of, it's the, the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word that's on the front of our ark. I've mentioned this many times. Most Many of you know what's on the front of the ark. It's on arks in many synagogues, the, the blue cover that's somewhere on the ground over there. Uh, when it's on there, you'll see there's a phrase there. It says omed." Know before whom you stand. That word "know," da ya da. That's the 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 Hebrew equivalent of the of the word that's being used here in the Greek. And again, it's a it's an experiential knowing. It's a coming to know, learning about, perceiving. It's not uh, it's not knowledge like like two plus two equals four kind of knowledge because that's knowledge also, right? Um, But that's just kind of, you can't really be affected by that kind of knowledge, unless we had, I know Ariel's not here today, but if he was, I figured maybe you can come up and give me some glowing, you know, mathematical reason. These guys that love math, they can explain how wonderful and beautiful and moving 2 plus 2 plus 2 2 equals 4 is, but quite frankly, for the rest of us non-mathematician geeks, nerds, whatever, uh, it's not very motivating, not very uh, inspiring. Um, it's not the kind of knowledge that's being talked about here when you read that word know because we know a lot of stuff okay it's not a matter of a correct thought process but it's a it's a spiritual relationship and it's a, it's a necessary combination of knowledge and relationship and then we've got this word um, commandments and that word commandments about knowing and observing knowing god and observing commandments and that commandments word there too just so you know it's not the the word for uh like torah like law it's a different word it's the it's the word that has to do with com- commandments we mitz we call them mitzvah we had a b- about mitzvah today and so it's in in a lot of ways in in a Jewish mindset mitzvah is not a not a like a command law kind of thing. It has the sense of of a good duty and a good deed as well so um that word there we see the words of of observing and keeping in this sort of interplay that's going on. I'll talk about that in just a moment. So the word obey, observe, keep guard, that's also a key concept here. You know, what exactly is that talking about? And that word to keep or observe, I mean, sometimes I think we we think about that as a, you know, like a punitive kind of, you need to keep this, like that that type of thing. But it really has the sense of guarding. It's the same as the Hebrew word that means to guard or to keep or to protect, like a, like a guard with a gun, being on the lookout. You know, you're looking, you're taking in information, you're, you're maybe making adjustments in your actions in terms of observing and guarding and keeping. You know, the old, you know, the, the, the idea of the British guard with the big hat, you know, it's not that, and it's just standing there. You could walk around him maybe if he wasn't paying attention. This is real active, proactive guarding and keeping. And all of the words that are used here in John, they don't necessarily, in this section, uh, this book actually in First John, certainly right here, doesn't necessarily come across in english the same as when you look at the the tenses and the the way the words are formed in greek it's very active and ongoing things this keeping observing and guarding it it's very much an ongoing active you know being on the alert ready for an attack kind of process think about it this way if you were to say if you if you were to say or hear you know commandments, God's instructions, that's kind of old school, that's Old Testament, that we don't have to follow that, we're free in the Messiah to do this and that, then what you are basically saying um, is that you would be adhering to the opposite of what this passage is, is talking about, what this passage is saying. So you'd be saying that, you know what, I'm free to keep God's commandments every once in a while, when I feel like it, when I'm rested, whether, you know, maybe if I'm not tired, I'm okay with not protecting them. I'm okay with not keeping guard over them. I'm okay to, to leaving myself vulnerable for attacks, you know. I'm okay with God's standards escaping, not guarding them and keeping watch over them. I'm okay with that. So overall, this is pretty serious business, this idea of keeping God's commandments. And just so you know, because if you read about this passage, this is not about talking about the the quote saving knowledge of God this is not the test of whether or not a person is a believer this is not that kind of test this is a test about the rootedness and a test about the the type of relationship that you have it's not that if you're not you know keeping keeping God's commandments and this is not talking about just a slip up every once in a while but if an ongoing pattern of that that you're kind of doomed forever to be separated from God it's not that at all um because we 're not made righteous by God uh, I mean righteous with God by our, our flawless adherence to his standards that 's not what he 's talking about here he 's talking about this experiential knowledge being the the litmus test of the the amount of, of roots that you have with regard to your relationship with God. For example, it was just mentioned a few minutes ago about Isaac and Rebecca 's wedding. Um, and many of us do and here know Isaac and Rebecca, some of us have known them or known one or both of them since they were very little, and some maybe just recently. And after tomorrow, tomorrow evening after they're married, we're still going to know them. I'm not going to doubt any one of us in here knows them. But the difference is none of us are going to know them the way in which now they are going to know each other. And I don't mean that in a crass way or anything, but that, that is kind of where the word comes from. But the truth is they're going to know each other. Isaac's going to know Rebecca in ways... Uh, that and Rebecca's gonna know Isaac in ways that none of us are ever gonna know know them, but we know them. You understand what I mean? So this is why it's not a this is not a test of our of our righteousness or right standing with God. It has a test of our rootedness, the type of relationship that there is. And, and with in the case of Isaac and Rebecca, that's how that's how it's supposed to be. They're supposed to know each other in that way. And that's the difference. That's the type of knowing that John is speaking about here. And then then there's this this process, this hand in hand process of of knowing and keeping, this ongoing, active, uh, developing process that's going on that's, that's, again, not nullified by an absent slip-up or an occasional mess-up or anything like that, but ultimately, this, this knowing and keeping or observing or guarding process ends in a place that John describes as uh, a perfection of love and being in him, Uh, that, that, the idea of love and the questions of let—that's a whole another topic that he talks about. But I want to talk about that idea of being perfected, to let you know that that's not the sense of zero flaws, like that nothing's wrong. Perfection it has to do with completeness, and the sense there in the language there is that this is a state that you that you arrive at at some point in the future, but then it's it's an ongoing, continual state. of of perfection it's a very vivid uh thing in in, in the greek there that's a completed and an ongoing state of being this idea of perfected love and again how do we how do we reach that state because i think all of us would like to think that we're in this you know perfected state of love and being in him and again we, we we reach it by keeping and observing and protecting keeping and preserving and protecting in an ongoing way with regard to our knowledge of him now there's a lot of other pictures in the Bible too that that kind of give a picture of this relationship, so I want to show you one other one that's pretty close to where we're reading. If you flip back probably just a page or two or three uh, into Second Peter, Second Peter chapter three is another picture of this kind of ongoing relationship that the Bible is uh, encouraging us to, to be to be in and really requiring us to be in. Second Peter chapter three and verse fourteen says this. It says, "Therefore." Beloved, while you are waiting for these things, and these things he just talked about basically is the new heavens and the new earth, that this old earth that we know has passed away, and you're, you know, between, between that time and the time when a new heaven and earth come, it says, while you are waiting for these things, it says, strive to be found by him at peace, without spot or blemish, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. So strive is a command there. And then down in verse 18. It says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. So these are some of those, you know, you've often heard Rabbi Chaim talk about the the commands in the Bible. There's 613 that that, that Judaism says are in the the Tanakh. And Rabbi Chaim has pointed out before that, you know, if you look at the commands, the actual words that are commands in the New Testament, we've got a thousand or more. (laughs) So this this is a couple of those thousand or more. Uh, that are in there, this idea of growing in the grace and knowledge of Yeshua. Once again, an ongoing, active word, you know, growing, not in a physical sense, that sometimes stops, Uh, but growing in in an ongoing, active sense in your grace and the knowledge of Yeshua. Um, What does that look like for a believer? I think often we, I think we often look at at growth, we think about growth, and it, it sort of ends up being maybe how we feel that day or how we feel that month, or how we feel things have been going recently for us. Maybe you have a good day, and you're like, man, I'm just, I just feel like I'm growing, growing in the Lord, you know, and I really feel close to him. And Maybe you happen to have a good year, a whole year. Imagine that, a whole good year. You could have a whole good year, and you say, man, this has just been a year of growth, spiritual growth for us, and we've just been growing. And I'm not saying that it's not, but my point is, I think we often think about growth that idea that, that Peter's talking or Peter's, is talking about here in Second Peter, this idea of growth being something that we can just kind of feel and it's growth and we can feel it one day and not the next and it can, it can change like that. But I want to suggest that gr- that, that kind of growth, even the, even that sort of growing in the Lord, you should, should liken it more to the way we view physical growing. And I was thinking about this because I was recently looking at some old photographs um, of, my, of my immediate family, my wife and our kids. And so I'm looking at pictures of like my, my current 10-year-old and 8-year-old or almost 9-year-old when they were babies and then 2 and 3 and 4 and looking at some pictures and some videos. And, you know, there they are on the, on the videos and, wow, their, their movements are different. They're, they're a little more shaky. They're not quite walking. Their hands are pudgy. You know, they're not talking the same. Their voices are higher. They're not putting sentences together quite the same as they were. And I'm looking at those pictures and it's a little bittersweet for me, you know, like, man, that's so cute and fun, and, but then again, that, that person's gone, in a sense, you know? I'm like, that, that, that person doesn't exist anymore. Never going to see, see that person like that anymore. But it's also good, I look at that on the, on the non-bitter side, the sweet side of it, and say, they've developed now to a point where, as a father, I can do things with them that I couldn't do before. There's things that I, I, that I, I couldn't do then that I can do now. So it's a bit bittersweet, well, how would that be if my if my ten year old tomorrow morning crawled into the kitchen and just you know wouldn't talk and it wasn't a joke wouldn't feed herself didn't change herself whatever it might all the things that that would be that would be terrible you know just because i you know just I'm just not going to do it today and that's not my point is that's not the way it's supposed to be once a child develops once we develop past certain milestones, not only should we not go back it'd just be like awkward and it would be almost silly. Who, who, you know, other than a stroke or something like that, who forgets how to feed themselves and who forgets how to walk and, and talk and that kind of stuff, you know? It just wouldn't be right. It'd be counterproductive. It'd be foolish. It'd be awkward. And so, again, as believers, I think as we, we look at this idea of growing in our relationship with God, we should also not be reverting as well. That's, that's the idea. It's not that we had a good day, we had a good week, you know, oh, I slipped up, I feel I'm in, the, I'm in the dumps now, I'm crawling again. No, that's not how it is. That's not what it means to grow in your relationship and your knowledge of God. So again, how is this accomplished? You know, I don't need to harp on it by, by following his commandments. You know, we're going to go through all 1,600 of them today. Well, we might get through eight or 900 of them, but we'll see. We'll cover the rest at the oneg. But no, we're not going to do, do that necessarily. But I want to flip. I want to look. Let's go back to First John. Flip forward again to First First John, chapter two, beginning in verse five. Talks about uh, obeying his word again, and this this, this last piece of, of of after reaching perfection, that we may be found that we are in him. Okay, we abide in him. We ought to walk just as he walked. We enter the state. We enter the state of being in him. This is the growth state because again, there's a very key word here. I don't, don't want to encourage you to write in your bibles but if you're one of those kind of writing types um it says that we are in him does everyone have the word R A R E? R. sometimes in in languages you know we have to supply those kind of words like you know like david seven well david is seven we put the is in there this is not one of those cases where the the word that they call the verb of being this word "are" is actually there, and it's in a very specific, written a very specific way that, again, has this ongoingness attached to it. We are in Him. And the picture I kind of got when I read that was this idea: maybe you know, you picture yourself, you, you get on a train, right? You board the train, you're on the train. The train's moving. You're on the train. You're in the train. As long as you don't get off the train, you're in the train. You can be asleep in your seat. I'm talking about like a like a big commuter train, like traveling across the country. You're you're in your seat, maybe, but you're in the train. The train's moving. Maybe you're reading your Bible and doing some good things, and you're praying for somebody and praying for people. And Maybe you take a nap, and you get woken up by the train whistle, and you utter a few unholy words. You're still in the train. Don't worry. You're still in the train. Uh, you go to the, the meal car. And you forget to thank the Lord for your meal. Eesh. You're still in the train. Don't worry. Just don't forget to, you know, just don't get off the train, Okay. Uh, don't get off the train. It's kind of the idea of being in him. It's an, it's an, interesting, uh, an interesting word, but again, keep in mind it's an active, ongoing thing. But a lot of people have argued and probably spilt sweat and I don't know about blood, about what it means to be in him. But that's kind of the picture that I got. But how'd you get on the train? Hope you didn't sneak on or sit on top like they do in India. Have you ever been to India before? Oh my gosh. They ride on top of the trains, and I don't think they had what, what I'm getting at here, which is a ticket. You have a ticket to get on the train, right? That's what you need. So what's the ticket? What's the ticket to get on board God's train? Synagogue dues, that's right. Did I hear that someone say? No, 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 no. I didn't mean that. We don't have them here anyways, but... I know we all like synopses and summary statements. So let's uh, let's go back to it, because the ticket is following God's commandments. <gasps> wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, following God's commandments. All 613 in the Tanakh and 1,000 plus in the New Testament. But again, I know we don't want to go over all 1,600 of them right now, so let's look to chapter 3 of 1 John. I want to look at a little synopsis, summary statement before you start accusing me of heretical uh, things here. 1 John 3, verse 21. says, Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God, and we receive from him whatever we ask, because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. Remember that statement I made, that I made earlier? God's commands are his instructions that make things happen. The one that I came up with. Remember that. Yeah. That's kind of a little summary of it there. He says, we, we, uh, whatever, we, whatever we ask of him, we have because we obey his commandments. And this is his commandment. Here it is, a summary statement. This is the ticket. That we should believe in the name of his son, Yeshua, the Messiah, and love one another just as he commanded us. That's the summary statement. I don't have time to get into the, you know, love above all things, meaning we can hate each other, but love, no, no, that's completely spoken of differently in this book. But that is the commandment. The commandment there, he says, this is the commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Yeshua, the Messiah, and love one another as he has commanded us that phrase believe in the name <clears throat> you may 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 know this has to do with it's not the name in a you know here's the name I write the name the name has embodies the person the character who they are what they're about if you have the complete jewish bible i think that was the one i really i think david stern really hit it there his his translation in the complete jewish bible says that you are to trust in the person and power of his son yeshua the messiah it says the name in the language but the idea is that, just that, to trust in the person and the power of his son, Yeshua the Messiah. This is the, the necessary first step, the way to get that ticket, the necessary first step to, to those trappings that I spoke about, to have, the, to have that, your relationship live loud in a way that is different than just you know, having all of those good things, that you're a good and righteous person, you live a good life before God. And it is a step of faith. It's Just like Allison described in her testimony today, if you were listening, she said that she decided to jump in with two feet and believe. Now, when she did that, did she know God at that point? I believe she did. Did she know God at that point like she does at this point? No? She still knew God? She still knows God? Now, does she know God now like she's going to know God hopefully a year or two years from now? No, because remember, knowing is not a Two plus two equals four. It's an experiential knowledge getting to know God. It's a different kind of thing. And that is the process. That's the necessary process of coming to, quote, know God. Yada, da, the, the the idea of knowing, being a child of God, being a child of his commandments, and walking and keeping, protecting, and guarding his commandments. That's the process. Let's pray. Lord, we we thank you for your word, for your instructions and for your guidance. We ask, Lord, that you help us to see them not as things that constrict us or things that weaken us, things that make us pitifully dependent, Lord, but as those things that are born out of your love and out of your concern for us. Help us, Lord, to grow in our knowledge of you, both with our heads and with our actions so that we can extend love to others, Lord. And I pray today, Lord, for those that who have yet to follow that one necessary commandment to believe in the person and power of your son, Yeshua, I pray that today, Lord, would be the day that you would enable them to put aside any of the obstacles that have been keeping them from you, Lord, whether that whether those obstacles be uh, fear, pride, uncertainty, or whatever. Lord, I ask that you help them to understand that trusting in your salvation through Yeshua does not lessen them in any way, does not uh, do anything like that, but that it puts them on the road to, to actually greater strength, to greater understanding, and greater knowledge, experiential knowledge, that can cannot happen any other way than that decision. It puts them on a path, Lord, of growth with you. These things I ask in Yeshua's name. Amen.